Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. The Lord had his coat stolen from him. Only in the Lord's case, it was much, much worse because the Lord watched them. The thieves steal his favorite coat, gamble for it, as to which thief was going to take his coat. And I can imagine how the soldiers may have looked up to the Lord on the cross and mockingly said to him, you want your coat? You don't need your coat. You're going to be dead soon. And, and, and that knowledge of what the Lord experienced when he saw his favorite coat be stolen, it was a comfort to me. It allowed me to, to accept my coat having been stolen. Anyway, so the same is true for this passage here in, in, in Matthew 5, 39 through 42. It's just not easy for us to turn the other cheek, to allow ourselves to be cheated in court, to, to, to know, but, but, it, but what makes it easy is to know how the Lord endured the same things. It gives us the courage to accept this, the, these things happening to us. And there's a third area of insult, which he addressed in Matthew 5, 41, verse 41, 5, 41. When he said, whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Now that's the insult of forced labor. Forced labor. Being forced to have to work. And it's referring to something that was very common that day in, in the, in the, in the Romans, the Romans. When you look and you read about this person called Simon the Serene, and, and he, he was forced to carry the cross of the Lord. And, 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 and you know, Simon was not a person standing there on the sideline saying, can I help? Can I help? <laughs> that wasn't him. I mean, he was a person who the Romans pulled out of the crowd and says, you do this. He didn't have any choice. He had to do it. Now, that was a common practice for the Romans. As far as the Romans were concerned, the Jews were just slaves to the Romans, for the Romans, any Jew was just an automatic slave of the Romans and had to do whatever the Romans wanted him to do right then. So if the Romans had this big load of dirty whatever, all the Roman had to do was just find a Jew and, and, and he didn't ask the Jew, are you busy? <laughs> Can you help me right now? I mean, he just, he did, the Roman would just say to the Jew, you, carry this load, carry it a mile. And then, and then maybe the, Roman would say, you know, to the next one, you carry another, whatever. So you, you can imagine the amount of resentment with this type of compelled labor. I mean, the Jewish man would get home and he'd be all dirty and worn out and he'd be late. And his wife would say to him, what happened to you? You know, why are you late? And, and, the, and the man would say, a Roman, a Roman, another Italian found me compelled me to, to, to carry his dirty load a, a, a mile for him. 
Now, this type of compelled labor, the Lord said that you, you, you should not only go a mile, but, you, but you, you should volunteer for the second mile. Oh, can I carry that a second mile? And, and again, all under the principle of not resisting the evil. And, and so, so in other words, the Lord's disciples, he's telling his followers that you need to turn the other cheek to the slapper. You need to give up your coat and your cloak to, to, the, to the thief using the court. And you need to go the extra mile to the compeller. And all without anger, all without hatred, and all without this secret desire inside to get even. And, 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 and by the way, the stress here is not just the outward, but it's the inward thoughts against these people, against the striker and the thief in the court and the compeller. And, and, and actually, there's, there's actually a fourth insult that the Lord is talking about in verse 42, Matthew 5, 42, when he says, give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow thee, turn not away. So this is the insult of being asked to lend something to someone who you know, he's not going to pay you back. You know, he never has, and he's, he, this is what he does. Makes a living out of asking people to, if he can borrow things. In fact, you, you, you know that, and because he's done it to you before, and, and, and he's, now he's asking for more. So, well, all of this is to say, that the person who has obeyed the Lord, and, 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 and in, in this, this passage here, Matthew 5, 39-42, is Joseph. And Joseph is obeying the Lord when it says, when he said in verse 21, fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones, and he comforted them, spake kindly unto them. And this is the purest form of non-resistance, it's love. And, and what Joseph is showing here in verse 21 is how you don't resist evil and you love, and in his case, his brothers. So he's really kind of going over the top in his treatment of his brothers. He's doing what the Lord said, you know, uh, in, in, in Matthew 5.44, Matthew 5.44, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. So when we see Joseph here lovingly telling the ones who hated him and wanted to murder him, and he's talking to them in verse 21 that he's going to nourish them and their families, and, and, and he's really rejecting these urges, these urges that he's got here. And the urges, he's rejecting these urges and it's to get even and so forth. And, and what he's doing here is he's really doing the four things that are listed in, in 1 Corinthians 13.7, the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13.7. In 1 Corinthians 13.7, it talks about how love, number one, beareth all things. Number two, believeth all things. Number three, hopeth all things. And number four, endureth all things. So the first thing it's talking about in, in that 1 Corinthians 13.7 is that love, and this is what Joseph has done, is love um, beareth all things. Now, that's an interesting Greek word, stego, and, and, and for beareth all things, because it comes from a word which means to build a roof over, to build a roof over. It, it's very much like, it's very much like along the same lines as the word kippur, as in Yom Kippur, which means covering. And so what this means is that when God forgives our sin, which is how it's translated, covering, translated atonement, 
when day of atonement when god forgives our sins god builds a covering or a roof over our sins now you might say that, that when when god builds this roof over our sins that the, what the roof is made up of is the blood of the lord jesus christ so what's the purpose of the roof well the purpose of the roof was building see when when cain killed abel in the bible God said that he heard a cry in, in Genesis 4.10. Genesis 4.10, he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. So God's hearing this voice of uh, Abel's blood or the voice of Cain's sin. And when Sodom and Gomorrah engaged in their gross sexual immoralities, God said again, he heard a voice. In Genesis 18.20, Genesis 18.20, Jehovah said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous. So this all means that sin has a voice that cries out to God. It cries out to God, I'm horrible, judge me. So the roof or the covering, the, uh, the covering of forgiveness that God builds with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ over the sins is a roof of silence. It's a covering of silence. This is what James describes in James 5.20. James 5.20, let him know that he who converteth a sinner from the error of his ways shall save his soul from death and shall cover a multitude of sins. So the covering that God builds over the sins, the covering of forgiveness, the roof of forgiveness, it makes two accomplishments. One accomplishment is, is, is for God or affects God, and the other accomplishment is for man or affects man. First, the roof that God, the roof for God, as far as God is concerned, is a, is a roof of silence, where the, where the sins of man are no longer crying, they're no longer can be heard by God, and instead of seeing our sins, and instead of hearing the, the the voice of sins. Instead, God sees. Instead, sees God sees this roof of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. All He sees is the blood of His sons, son, and that is such a such an effective covering or roof that it totally suppresses the sins underneath from being heard. So, so for God, this is a roof of silence. And but the roof of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ also for man protects man from the wrath of God and the judgment of God. And, and this is the word that, that is behind, this is the meaning that's behind the word stego, which is in 1 Corinthians 13, 7, which is translated beareth. So from a practical point of view, it means that when we love someone who has hurt us, as Joseph is doing here, we build, as Joseph did, a roof of silence over their sins, which means that we destroy, we destroy the recordings from 30 and 40 years ago and never bring up again. I remember when you did that to me. You're just the same, blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's destroyed. That's the roof of silence. And so this is the first accomplishment uh, of Joseph's forgiveness for his brothers. He builds this roof of silence over their sins, and, and he never brings up again how they sold them into slavery. But next, it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 7, that, that love believeth all things. That mean, and that word believeth means puts confidence in. Puts confidence in. It's the same word as uh, uh, John 3.16. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Whoso, 
puts confidence in. That's why I always just do appreciate uh, the question uh, to a lost person. Uh, what is your confidence when you die that you're going to go to heaven? So this is the same idea. Believe. You have confidence in your works or you have confidence in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ for you, the death, his death on the cross for you. So Joseph did not say to his brothers, well, from what you've done, uh, the trust is destroyed. I can never trust you again. I, I, I'm sorry. I can't ever, uh, I, I, I can never turn my back on you again. I have to always be watching you. I have to always be on my guard because you, you blew it. You're not trustworthy. And Joseph did not take that position because it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 7, that love believeth all things. That's confidence. And so what that meant is that Joseph trusted his brothers. He didn't make, and he made himself vulnerable to them. And, and this is seen when he trusted his brothers by releasing all of them with, with a lot of wealth and a lot of food to go back into Canaan and bring his father back to, from, to, to bring his father to Egypt. And he said to his brothers, when this happened in Genesis 45, 21, Genesis 45, 21, and the sons of Israel did so, and, and, and Joseph gave them wagons, according to the commandment of Pharaoh, and gave them provisions for the way to all of them. He gave each man changes of raiment to Benjamin. He gave 300 pieces of silver, five changes of raiment. His father, he sent after this manner, 10 asses loaded with the good things of Egypt, 10 she asses loaded with grain and bread and provision, for his father, by the way, so he sent his brethren away, and they departed, and he said unto them, see that you fall not out by the way. Okay, so he sent his brothers back to Canaan alone to get his father. He didn't go with them. He sent him alone. Now, that was a risk for Joseph, because how did he know that halfway into the journey back to, back to Canaan, his brothers might have said, wait a minute here. Why should we tell our father what we did to Joseph? Why should we go through this Joseph is still alive? And why do we have to go tell him what we really did? I mean, look at it. None of us are being held in Egypt. We're all together here. We've got all this wealth. We can sell all this stuff. You know, I got it. Let's just tell our father that we talked the governor into giving Simeon back. And as a compensation for how he wronged us, he gave us all this wealth. And, and then, and then we, we never have to tell dad what we did to Joseph. And they say, yeah, that's a good idea. And, and, you know, after all, we're pretty good at pulling the wool over our father's eyes. Let's do that. Could have done that and pull off another trick. But to keep them from pulling off another trick, Joseph could have gone with them, but he didn't. And it was important for Joseph that he send his brothers on this mission of trust. It was really important for him that he rely on his brothers because that's what 1 Corinthians 13, 7 means when it says love believes all things, puts confidence. And then the third description was in 1 Corinthians 13, 7 is love hopeth all things. That means that Joseph didn't say to himself, well, I'm relying on my brothers, but I really don't expect them to be the persons. I mean, after all, a leopard can't change his spots on his skins and they can't change and they're just going to be the way they always. He didn't do that. Joseph hopeth all things for his brothers meant that Joseph really expected his brothers that were going to change, and, and they weren't going to repeat what they did in the past. He hoped his brothers. And if you ask, if you ask Joseph, well, what, what, what do you got to say about your brothers? He'd say, "Oh, my brothers are great. They're the greatest brothers." And 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 that would have been Joseph because he was hoping 
And then the fourth description in 1 Corinthians 13, 7, it says that he, that hope endureth all things. That means that Joseph just held up and when he listened to their lie about what the father said before he died. In other words, it means that he didn't, his forgiveness did not cave in. In other words, the roof of silence that he had built over their, 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 their sins did not collapse because he was enduring all things. That means that his confidence that he had in his brothers did not fall down and, 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 he, and, and because he endured all things. That means that his hope that he had in his brothers, it didn't cave in when, when, when his brothers lied to him. It's, it's, you know, it's interesting. It's interesting to watch a river. It's, it's interesting to watch a river that has kind of, that has sort of a rocky bottom to it, a rocky bed. And what's interesting is that when you watch a river and, and, and you're there on the shore and you're watching the, you, you know, flow down, flow, and you look at the water by the rocky shore, and what you see is all this turbulence and foam because it's shallow. The water is shallow there. And so it's, it's causing the water that goes on the, near the shore there, the rocks, to be all in you know, turmoil because it's shallow, the rocky shore. But, but farther out in the river, when you look at the river, it, it's all smooth water. It's just kind of moving smoothly. There's no turbulence. There's no foam. Because out in the middle of the river, the, the same rocks are there on, on the bed, on the riverbed, that are on the shore, but the difference is that the water is deeper in the middle of the river. So, so those rocks don't cause any turbulence and foam. And, and so what is that a picture of? Well, the rocks, the river and the rocks, is a picture of, of the two ways that a rocky offense and a rocky hurt of Joseph's that happened in his past could have had on his life. So the river and the rocks is a picture for us. Uh, of the two ways that rocky offenses and, and hurts in our past can have on our lives. If the water had been shallow in Joseph's river life, then Joseph's life would have been turbulent, no peace, constantly remembering what his brothers did to him. But the river in Joseph's life was deep with his, with his deep preoccupation with God and his love, God, the love of God, the mercy of God, and that made Joseph's life free from the unrest and if the water is shallow in, in the river of our lives, then our lives are going to be turbulent and with, with no peace. And we'll constantly be remembering what others have done to us, how they've offended us. But if the water is deep in, in our river life, then we'll have this, this deep preoccupation with God and our lives are going to be freed from this unrest. I mean, that's a picture of being protected from the unrest by a preoccupation with God, which is what Romans 5 is talking about. Romans 5, 5 is talking about when it says hope makes not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. So that Greek word, shed abroad, it has this meaning of pouring forth as a gushing of a lot of water. And that's the picture that the Lord had painted in John 7, in John seven thirty eight, when he says, he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So the person that believes into Jesus, in other words, is preoccupied with the Lord Jesus, he's like a deep river that's formed there. And the depth of that living water will bury all the evil of the offenses that have happened. And it'll also just wash away all the foulness of the, from the offenses. 
And, and you know, this last week, it reminds me, this last week, three of us from Scantabody's, not me, but three of us drove from San Diego to Loretto in Baja, California. It's a long drive, about 17 hours one way, 20 hours coming back the other way. And they described the beauty, because I was thinking, oh, was it hard? No, it was beautiful drive through Baja, almost down there. And, you know, they said, oh, you know, first we'd come to this this forest of cigar cactus, a forest, not just one or two, like we're used to a forest. And then they come around a bend, and there'd be this dormant volcano, and then then they'd come around another bend, and they'd be on a rocky, rocky, ro- they'd be on a road below a rocky cliff down to the ocean, and then they'd come around another turn, and there would be this bay with this beautiful white beaches, and they sent me a picture, really, and turquoise water. And, you know, I was thinking about those bays, those protected bays, the calm water. And and when you and you look at the bay, because they were up high, you look at the bay and there was the ocean, and the bay had something that the had there was one of the differences that the bay had that the ocean didn't have was the color of the water. The color of the water in the bay was this beautiful turquoise color. And and during night, during night, that bay, this calm bay, it reflected the stars. Reflected the stars. As in contrast to the water you could see on their side in the ocean, which is turbulent, and the turbulent water doesn't have that beautiful turquoise during the day, and at night it didn't reflect the stars. Now the parallel is true in our lives, that when we're disturbed by how we've been hurt by others, our lives do not have the beauty of peace like the calm turquoise water of a protected bay. And and when our lives are disturbed by how we've been hurt by others, our lives don't reflect the beauty of the Lord Jesus, like the calm bay reflecting the stars. And this is Joseph. He's the water in the protected bay. And this is what caused Joseph to have this beautiful, this beautiful, um, life of this calm turquoise water in a protected bay. And, and it causes life to reflect the, the God, the, like the bay reflecting the stars. And the key to it, the key to Joseph's life was that he didn't let what others did to him Cause him to let go of God. I mean, he, 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 he didn't get so moved with passion and anger that Joseph said to God, uh, God, I'll be right back, uh, you know, after I deal with this, with the people who hurt me. He didn't do that. And isn't it interesting that, that it, when you read in the lives of Joseph, that you don't read about anything that he did to Potiphar's wife. I wonder what happened to her, Potiphar's wife. I mean, she must have been laying low during the time when he was the governor. But, you know, he didn't do it. That wasn't Joseph because he was a, a person who really obeyed Matthew chapter 5, 39. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the life of Joseph. Help us, Lord, to uh, follow him in, in, in how he was a follower of you and to really to embrace what this means to love the enemies. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. 
You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, meals, teaching, creation museum, and tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cantor, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104. 619-599-1104 or sign up at reachisrael.com That's reachisrael.com What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 